I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. It's June, 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 June. June is busting out all over. <laughs> you've, you've seen the video, right? I think we, we watched the video together during grad school, the video of um, Leslie Uggams trying to sing that song at a concert outside. She agreed to do the performance, but she didn't really know the song, so they had the lyrics well, up for her on make, cue cards. She just started making up lyrics. They had the lyrics up for her on cue cards, but it was raining, and, and so she's the like, cue cards drift. And she's like, June, June, busting out all over. June is busting. Well, and she, got, she got to the she got to the the faster part, and it was like, and the hit him, and the hit him, and the hit does anyone really know the words of that song? I mean, it's old Roger Hammerstein, like, ridiculousness. I know June that one's is busting out from, all over. That's from Carousel, right? It's from Carousel, right? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> oh, hi, everybody. Uh, if you don't know why I don't like Carousel, uh, it's... Be- just go watch just, it. Actually, don't. It, uh, it's, it's, it's a glorified tale of a man who beats his wife. Um, so some really lovely music, but you know, it has not aged well. I will say that it's also pride month because it's June. Yeah. So yay. Happy pride. I know many of you were wondering how we were going to kick off our 50th episode. It's our 50th episode. Apparently the way we're going to do it is by singing a song about June and then trashing on a Rodgers and Hammerstein classic. And then saying, yay. Pride. That's that's pretty on brand. We also should announce that uh, uh, I will not be leaving in what in the two episodes, eight days, um, because my contract on the cruise got pushed back three months because Florida sucks. Um, I think Wayne from Florida, Florida man, a Florida man would agree. Um, but uh, and if not, sorry, Wayne, we're we're not okay. talking about you in particular. No, we're, we're talking about talking- the government of Florida, and I think we all can agree. At least anyone who listens to this podcast. Podcast, that Ron DeSantis is a dick face and uh, uh, he didn't, you know, want to follow the rules. So uh, our CEO decided, well, then I don't want to play right now. And so they moved some ships around. And so we don't start till August. Yeah. So Ken and I will just be making some more content for you. Don't worry. You are still going to get to hear yes. the the stories that we were pre-recording, backlogging. backlogging. They're still going to happen. It's just going to be a couple months Well, later. and if we have a week where we're busy because we're going to yeah. be traveling this summer now, um, we'll throw one of those up there as a little, like, surprise. So, yeah. But that's uh, – so the announcement I made last week <laughs> – was it last week or – I think it was. Before. I don't know. I, time has no meaning again. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what's going on. But yeah, the moral of that story is fuck Ron DeSantis. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, hear he likes to chloroform baby seals. What? It's just what I heard through the grapevine that I made up in my brain. Okay, I was like, seriously? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I had to ask. I framed what? it as I heard that because you heard it because if I heard it, then it's not libel. I'm just sharing what I heard. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we don't want to get sued. So I'm not saying it's true. I don't know. It's just a rumor that I heard somewhere. Speaking mm-hmm. of rumors I heard somewhere, I heard we have a promo this week. Do we have a promo this week? We sure do. Well, why don't you tell me about it? Well, this promo is for Malice with Ariel Cooksey, and I'm just going to let you play the promo, and then we'll chat about it. All right. Well, uh, 
here you go. Predators. Their acts are evil. We call them monsters. We say no human could perpetrate the crimes they have committed. But in truth, only human beings execute these horrific acts. And if you're like me, you want to know why. To find out, join me, Ariel Cooksey, on my podcast, Malice. As a social psychologist, I dig into the psychology, sociology, neurobiology, child development, trauma, and other factors that come together to create malicious offenders. Find Malice wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, I uh, I feel underqualified for everything I do when I hear <laughs> social psychologists. Like, I'm just like... Yeah. Like, all trained up for all that. But also, her voice, her is, voice amazing. is so cool. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite things about her. Like her voice is just like. That's I'm some, like, that's, that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Credentials, credentials, important scientific. But damn, you got some good mic work on you. Yeah, that's, um, that makes me want to, uh, as someone who is, all of our training is in, uh, damn it. like. Sounding cool on a microphone is the only thing I have. How dare you also be qualified <laughs> dare in other you be, shit. And then have your, like, PhD <laughs> and shit. <laughs> but really, go listen to Malice, because. Not only is Ariel amazing on social media and like super supportive of us and has been since the beginning, but she does an amazing job of like deep diving into true crimes and the actual like, it actually reminds me a little bit of like criminal intent and like going like into the psyche of these people because like we immediately label criminals in a certain way, but like you dive into the psyche and you see like where it came from, especially when it comes to like women who have been abused and commit crimes and whatnot. Yeah. And she Looking dives into, the, into that. The the reasons behind the crimes and yeah. not not just the well, he was crazy, so he fucking so he killed people. did the crazy. Yeah. So she does an amazing job with that and uh she's a Plus cool she's ass got chick. So boatloads of content. Oh yeah. She's been she's um, just uh we actually we're gonna be her promo for her, her two year two anniversary, year anniversary. episode. So uh, go check her out because if you if you especially if you're like going on a long road trip, um, you got boatloads of content. Lots she does a of lot of bonus material and like follow ups on episodes, and um, she also does a lot of uh, collaboration with other true crime podcasts and uh, other people like Bad Apple Podcast. Um, oh, a few she, bad apples. A few bad apples. She's done a collaboration with Catherine. So like with other people who are very much certified in their field. So. Go check that out, and uh, we we want you to check out the malass. <laughs> malass. Check out my malass with malice. <laughs> Don't put that in there, <laughs> Ariel. Well, I apologize. Thanks, thanks, Ariel. Um, I apologize for everything. <laughs> As per it's usual. A, it's a, it's a- Good thing people don't pay for these promos Malice to go in our episode. And my last. All right. So is that all for old business? Yeah, I think other than tell five friends about our podcast, because that is our podcast pyramid scheme. But yes, of course. That, do tell five friends. Uh, follow and us on as, social media. As you're listening to this, go ahead and you're already somewhere where you're listening. So go ahead and give us a like and a subscribe. And if you can send us a review, that'd be awesome, too. Because that's bangerang. But other than yeah, that, I guess we hero. should just do what we do. Great. So they can know how to review us if they uh, choose to. 
There was a lot of rhyming and slant rhyming in that sentence I'm pretty proud of, actually. Yeah, well done. Yeah. That was, that was very accidental poetry. You're welcome. And speaking of poets, this week's author is a very, very famous poet, uh, novelist, and playwright by the name of Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wills Wilde. Better known as Oscar Wilde. Excellent. And I wanted to Let's do. do this I wanted shit. to hit on. Uh, I wanted to hit on Oscar Wilde. I kind of do too. I mean, well, he would have liked you better. Um, <laughs> I, I want. I kind of wanted to do uh, Oscar Wilde this week because uh, he is a very famous LGBTQ uh, person of history. Yeah. And it's the beginning of Pride Month, and we have not done an Oscar Wilde yet. Yeah, I we know. have mentioned him many times yep. in uh, in our other stories, and, and and I have pulled up a couple of stories and almost assigned them to you many and I'm times. Sure, yeah. you've done the Vice same versa. thing. Just- yep. This was the this was the week. I was like, it's got to be Oscar Wilde. Like I was like, it's got to be Oscar Wilde. I will kick off Pride Month with the probably the most notorious uh, uh, writer in that category. So. All right. Let's kick this thing off. All right. Believe it, if you will, but Oscar Wilde had a very, very uh, complicated life. So I'm going to do... I choose not to believe it. Okay, well, then I'm going to prove you otherwise. <laughs> so Oscar Wilde was born October 16th, 1854 in Ireland. And he is best remembered for his plays, his novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, um, and the circumstances of his criminal conviction for gross indecency and consensual homosexual acts. So that's why I'm taking this on. If you were not aware of that at home, yes, you used to be able to be in prison for that. So it's a great movie about him. uh, Yeah, it's called Wild. Yep. Yeah. With Stephen Fry. Yep. Uh, That was that came up in my research a couple times. So I, I highly encourage you to go watch Wild after you finish this episode to learn more about him because this is a very condensed, very quick run through of some things that I found interesting in his life. So he was brought up by his father, William Wild, and his mother, Jane Elgie Wild. Um, but they both had very interesting lives before they were married. So Oscar's father was 28 and was a doctor who studied at a very prestigious eye hospital in London, wrote two books, and was appointed the medical advisor to the Irish census of 1841, all by the time he was 28 years old. Still not married. All right. The medical statistics he published um, contained data that had not been collected in any other country at the time, and so he was appointed assistant commissioner to the 18... 51 census and then he held that same position for two succeeding censuses and in 1864 he was knighted for his work oh cool (laughs) so his dad was a sir and he ended up opening up saint mark's orthomedic hospital eye hospital um and he provided free treatment to the city's poor population awesome so he was like patch adams (laughs) 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 so like, I was like, well, that's badass. Um, but he was very, very uh, prestigious eye doctor, um, ear, nose, and throat kind of situation. Before he married, he had three children out of wedlock. Oh. 
And well, he just had trouble waiting. He just he was busy like helping the poor and curing people and doing the hibbity dibbity. I suppose that kind of really almost heroic selflessness is bound to attract some romantic attention. Oh yeah, yeah. But he was not condemned for this because he paid for all of these children. So he never married the mother and like, you know, it was class system very much at the time. So like he oh, really yeah. couldn't, but he took full responsibility and paid for all of their childhood, their education. Like he was a good baby daddy. Like and that. Yes. And his mother, Jane Francesca LG, was um, the niece to a famous novelist, playwright and clergyman who influenced her own literary career. So she first gained attention in 1846 when she began writing revolutionary poems for a weekly Irish newspaper. Unfortunately, in 1848, the country's famine worsened, the Irish potato yep. famine. Um, and the year of the revolution uh, took hold in Europe and the newspaper offices were closed. But for a couple of years, she was like a published working writer. Making a living as a writer. Yep. Badass. She was also a gifted linguist had a working knowledge of uh, of many of the major European languages and went on to translate Wilhelm Meingold's gothic horror novel, Sidonia and the Sorceress, which her future son would read and relish and draw on it for the darker elements in his own work. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? I just want to point out that we have, at least in their parentage, some striking similarities between Oscar Wilde and last week's author, Mary Shelley. Yes. Where we've got two people who are not feeling constrained by societal norms and who are successful in their own right individually before they get together. And then clearly they have a child that is very free thinking and very... And that plays a huge yep. influence on on the artistic life of yep. their child. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's why I wanted to cover the parents because I was like, their par- I mean, there was so much information. I was like, these- I want to do my own fun facts on his damn parents. Yeah. Like, well, But we'll get to Oscar. So yeah. Oscar was the middle child. Um, he had an older brother named William Willie uh, Charles Kingsbury. <laughs> Wild. Um, people had some great names back in the William day. William Willie Charles. Well, he went by Willie. William Charles Kinsbury Wilde. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Oscar was Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wilde. Um, and he was the middle child. And then he had a younger sister um, who was three years younger than him. Um, but she died when she was 10. And uh, this had a profound effect on um, Oscar, who carried around a lock of her hair in a decorated envelope for the rest of his life. Um, when did we stop getting to have two middle names? Because I'm just Kenneth Everett Sandberg. I wish I had a second middle name. Yeah, That's Heather fucking Michelle cool. Walter. I know. Maybe we can give ourselves we can give ourselves one. All right. Okay. We can just go to the court and give ourselves a give second ourselves middle a name. Second name. Surprise. <laughs> I like that. That's how I can finally get McPirate in my name. Heather Michelle McPirate Lawler. Yes. There it is. There it is. Love it. And my Wikipedia page one day, <laughs> someone will be like, what? What the? Wow, her parents were cool. <laughs> so, uh, la, 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 he 
had a pretty normal childhood, was middle class, like upper middle class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a very good student, and he went on royal scholarship to study the classics at Trinity College in Dublin from 1871 to 1874, and he shared a dorm room with his brother, Willie Wilde. Aww. <laughs> the Wilde brothers. I hope that they actually were. <laughs> I, I know. I hope they were like the party house. I want to write a buddy comedy called wilds gone wild yes <laughs> <laughs> the young oscar and willie wild love it yes love it um trinity where he was at school was one of the leading classical schools and this inspired his interest in greek literature which also led to him um getting accepted uh and winning a scholarship to uh the magdalen college in oxford so he ended up at oxford Trinity in um, Oxford. Okay, he he did all right. Yeah. Um, so he ended up at Oxford, but while he was at Oxford, his father passed away, um, which left the family financially strapped. So Willie, who had already graduated, um, kind of became the the bread the breadwinner and paid the mortgage on the house and supported them until he died a year later from oh. unknown causes. Uh, I could not find a in any of the articles on Wikipedia or OscarWild.com or like how he died. Yeah, so. he probably went too wild. <laughs> too soon? <laughs> I hope not. It's or, been like 200 or, years. Or he went like too stressed. <laughs> it's like he went from being too wild to like yeah. having to like deal with shit. And that's not fun. Um, but Oscar uh, went back to Oxford and continued his studies. Um, after graduation, he returned to Dublin where he met up with his childhood sweetheart. And there's a, this is another weird crossover. His childhood sweetheart was Florence Balcom. She became, she had recently become engaged to Bram Stoker huh. and they were married in 1878. Wilde was disappointed because he always thought he was going to marry her. And he wrote this, um, uh, a quote he wrote about her is saying the two sweet years, the sweetest years of all my youth um, were when they were close. So, yeah. So he returned to England um, in, later that year and just kind of was like, well, wasn't meant to be. Missed that one. Yep. So after uh, after this, he moved back to London and lived with a friend and who was a painter in 1881, he published his first collection of poetry, just entitled Poems. Good. So he was showing his creative side already. <laughs> yes. Um, it received mixed reviews, but it did like well enough that it started to get him jobs elsewhere. Right. Here, he was also introduced to a woman named Constance Lloyd, who we will meet later. Um, but after these poems came out, he actually went on a lecture tour because he was a very uh, educated, um, established uh um, academic. Academic. So he went on a lecture tour through the United States. So he landed in New York and traveled the United States. That was supposed to be a 50 lecture tour that was supposed to last four months, but he was there over a year giving 140 lectures. Damn. Because um, they were very popular. Sucks to be popular. Yeah. In between these lectures, he made time to meet with Henry Longfellow and Walt Whitman. No shit. And he also arranged for his play, Vera, to be staged in New York. <laughs> So, very successful trip to the United States. That's dope. Um, and then he continued his lecture tour in England and Ireland, where we meet Constance again. So, three years later, he's back in Ireland, and Constance just happens to be visiting Dublin, where he's lecturing. They reconnected, and he proposed to her. So, they were married on May 29th, 1884. 
Uh, they had two children, but other than that, it wasn't a super happy marriage because she was a beard. She was a beard and don't she didn't know it. And I don't think he really knew it at the time. So what happened was two years after they were married, he met a young student, Robert Ross. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. <laughs> that makes me happy in ways I cannot, cannot explain. Say. It's a happy little tree. Uh, so now, people at home, he did not actually have an affair with Bob Ross. He would have been really old. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a slight five-generation gap. <laughs> Robert Ross had read Wilde's poems um, before they met at Oxford, um, where Wilde was now teaching. Uh, he seemed uh, very unrestrained by the Victorian prohibition of sex- homosexuality and uh, was determined to seduce Wilde. Oh, hot for teacher. Hot for teacher. So um, That always turns out great. Yeah. Wilde had long alluded to Greek love in his poetry, and, you know, the Greeks were not ashamed of uh, love the one you're with. <laughs> Ross said that his marriage had begun to unravel after his wife's second pregnancy, and he decided to go all in. He became his first male lover, and uh, they were longtime friends. Actually, he was with him on his deathbed. So that happened. In mid-1891, Wilde was then introduced to Lord Alfred Douglas, and this is the one that really goes bad. Um who was an undergraduate at Oxford at the time. So he's just picking up all all the boys at Oxford. So that's the problem. It's not that he was gay. It's that he was hooking up with students. Well, yeah. (laughs) It's also never a good idea. That's probably why in all, like, academic situations, there's, like, because... Oscar Wilde is the reason (laughs) that teachers are not allowed to date students. Well, here we go. So an intimate friendship sprang up between Wilde and Douglas, uh, and by the end of 1893, Wilde was infatuated with Douglas. Wilde was relatively indiscreet and flamboyant even, um, but Douglas put that to shame. He was reckless in public. So, like, they were not trying to hide this. And it was illegal at the time in, well, the, in the United Kingdom. I mean, you've seen the pictures of Wilde in his furs. That man oh, was fabulous. Yeah. He was wonderful. That's why he's a gay icon. Like, So... Wilde was uh, earning up to 100 pounds a week, which was a ton of freaking money at the time. So he was indulging Douglas. They were going out That's and more having than I'm fancy. Making now. Yeah, right. <laughs> he would like take him out for fancy dinners and like they were on the town and like they were like having love affairs in the street and yada well, yada. Well, that's they were not still illegal. It. You can't just do that in the street. I don't know if they were having sex in the street, but they were canoodling. <laughs> And when it's illegal, I guess it's probably going to upset some people. But specifically, Mr. Alfred Douglas's father, because remember, he was a lord. So yeah. this is a, they got money. Uh, the aristocracy tends to be particularly picky. So fun facts about Lord Alfred's father, the Marquis of Queensbury, which is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this, oh, this guy reminds no me. Queen. No Queen. No Queen. He was known as an outspoken, uh, brutish, like, kind of like big uh, fire and brimstone dickwad. Yeah, not pretty much. Uh, he, cre- he helped create the modern rules of boxing. <laughs> so. 
All right. All these fascinating human beings. But he was an asshole. So he feuded regularly with his son because he didn't like the way his son was living his life and confronted Wilde about the nature of their relationship several times. But uh, Wilde was like, uh, I'm a big boy. <laughs> daddy, sorry, bye. Not the kind of daddy I'm into. So uh, <laughs> no queen. Uh, no Queensbury. In June 1894, he called on Wilde at home. And this is when he was still with his wife. Um, his wife passed away in uh, 1898. So <laughs> he just showed up at their house. And was like, uh, and this is, quote, I do not say that you are it, but you look it and pose at it, which is just as bad. And if I catch you and my son again in any public restaurant, I will thrash you. And Wilde responded with, I don't know what the Queensbury rules are, but the Oscar Wilde rule is to shoot on sight. Oh, damn. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, I want to be in that room. I want to be a fly on that room because what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that was the beginning of a very uh, famous feud. Now, of course, amongst all this, he was writing very, very famous works of literature, including Picture of Dorian Gray and many, many plays like Ideal Husband and, of course, his most famous and his last play, the importance of being earnest. So that was that premiered on February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1895 at the St. James Theater. Um, it premiered and was like immediately loved by everybody. Like it was immediate success. Um, so, so I don't know if it was the opening night, but one of the early performances, Wilde found out that Queensbury had planned to insult Wilde publicly by throwing a bouquet of rotted vegetables onto the stage during a performance of Importance of Being Earnest. Sure. Wilde was tipped off and had Queensbury barred from the theater. Fifteen weeks later, Wilde was in prison. This is what happened. So Queensbury was arrested for criminal libel. So Wilde had him arrested because he was going around spreading... All these rumors and threatening to attack his theater and all this stuff, um, which could possibly carry a sentence up to one to two years. Now, Queensbury um, could avoid the conviction by demonstrating that his uh, um, his accusation of like what Wilde was doing was true. So in the opening speech for the defense, uh, they announced that they had located several male prostitutes who could testify that they had had sex with Wilde. On the advice of Wilde's lawyers, he dropped the case and Queensbury was found not guilty. Um, and unfortunately, when you um, press charges at the time, if they were released or found not guilty, you were responsible for their fees. For their court fees. So this bankrupted Wilde. And then after he left the court, a warrant was sent out for his arrest. Now, Robbie Ross is back. Bob Ross is back. So he found Wilde at the Calderon Hotel, um, where he was staying at the time, and he advised Wilde to go at once to Dover and get on a boat to France. His mother advised him to stay and fight, because that's what their family does. Wilde decided he didn't know what to do. It was inaction, and he just said, you know what? The train is gone. It's too late. I've got to deal with it. 
So on April 6, 1895, he was arrested at his house, uh, 16 Tite Street, and he was trying to pack up personal belongings, manuscripts, and stuff. Um, But he was immediately imprisoned and, of course, was found guilty. He was incarcerated from the 25th of May, 1895, and was released on May 19th. 1897. So he was in prison for almost exactly two years. And then he immediately sailed to um, France. He never returned to the UK. Good I choice. wouldn't either after those fuckers put you in prison for, you know, loving people. Being you. For consensual adult relations. Um, yeah. And they don't give a shit in France. No, they don't. Nope. Still don't. Love it. Fabulous. Go to France. Go to Greece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have that, a long history of not giving a shit in Greece. good Mediterranean climate. Just like, you know, good times. But somehow Italy missed the memo. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, Wilde's health, of course, suffered greatly um, during, like, his time in prison. I mean, between the conditions, the diet, and he got into some fights and whatnot. Um, and he ended up, he spent the last three years of his life very poor, very impoverished, and in exile, and ill and he ended up dying of meningitis on november 30th 1900 um which is a month before my great 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 grandmother was born uh and robbie ross bob ross was by his side so they remained friends and whatnot and so uh two things i wanted to talk about because that's a very sad ending to this man's life is in 2014, Wilde was one of the inaugural honorees in the Rainbow Honor Walk, a walk of fame in San Francisco's Castro's neighborhood, noting LGBTQ people who have made significant contributions in their field. And then in 2017, Wilde was among the estimated 50,000 men who were pardoned for homosexual acts that were no longer considered offenses under the Policing and Crime Act Um and uh, because and homosexuality was actually finally decriminalized in England and Wales in 1967, people. But he's, I mean, he has a statue in Central Park. He's, he's a gay icon. Yeah. So I wanted to cover a wild story for, <laughs> a wild tale for our uh, first story of June is busting out all over Pride Month. So love it. So this week you will be reading uh, a short story that I picked solely based on this amazing title that made me giggle. Um, <laughs> it's called "The Remarkable Rocket," a short story by Oscar Wilde, and it was originally published in the uh, 1888 collection called "The Happy Prince and Other Tales." So all right, let's do it. Let's, let's start, start this it. fire. Wee! Let's get wild. The Remarkable Rocket by Oscar Wilde. The king's son was going to be married, so there were general rejoicings. Yay! He had waited a whole year for his bride, and at last she had arrived. She was a Russian princess and had driven all the way from Finland in a sledge drawn by six reindeer. Wait, did the king order a Russian order male bride? Yes. <laughs> After a year, she arrived. A Russian male order bride who showed up pulled by reindeer. By Finnish reindeer. I hope she was in red and white fur lined yeah, coat. Yeah, for sure. Because she's Mrs. Claus. <laughs> The sledge was shaped like a great golden swan, so not Santa's sleigh. Uh, much gayer. And, <laughs> <laughs> 
And between the swan's wings lay the little princess herself. Her long ermine cloak reached right down to her feet. On her head was a tiny cap of silver tissue, and she was as pale as the snow palace in which she had lived. So pale was she that as she drove through the streets, all the people wondered. She is white like a rose, they cried, and they threw down flowers on her from the balconies. <laughs> Damn, she's white! <laughs> Long robe, super pale, silver cap. I'm picturing the princess from NeverEnding Story. Oh, yes. Uh, the childlike empress. Yes. Yeah, who basically is translucent. Yeah. yeah. At the gate of the castle, the prince was waiting to receive her. He had dreamy violet eyes, and his hair was like fine gold. When he saw her, he sank upon one knee and kissed her hand. Your picture was beautiful, he murmured, but you are more beautiful than your picture. See, he mail order brighted her. He like picked he's like going through an album. Picked he's like from a that catalog. One. I want that one. Yeah. The little princess blushed. She was like a white rose before, said a young page to his neighbor, but she is like a red rose now. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And the whole court was delighted. She likey. <laughs> For the next three days, everybody went about saying, White Rose, Red Rose, Red Rose, White Rose. (laughs) And the king gave orders that the page's salary was to be doubled. As he received no salary at all, this was not much use to him, but Uh, it was considered a great honor and was duly published in the court gazette. Um, rude? (laughs) Uh, Why is this guy not getting paid? (laughs) So maybe instead of doubling, maybe it's like, let's pay him now. Like, Or maybe he raises his hand when they say double his salary and be like, sir, I don't make any money. Uh, I would happily take some. Uh, I'm pretty good at my job. <laughs> I like that that joke has lived on because certainly every time I have volunteered for a position, I have complained and asked that my salary be doubled. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like anytime like you just volunteer to do something that whether it's like, for friends or if it's just something you're like yeah i'll come in and help you do that it's like just double my salary yep (laughs) when the three days were over the marriage was celebrated it was a magnificent ceremony and the bride and bridegroom walked hand in hand under a canopy of purple velvet embroidered with little pearls then there was a state banquet which lasted for five hours five hours you gotta get that party going well that's just the the meal well, that's portion. just the meal oh okay well then okay then that's okay impressive the prince and princess sat at the top of the great hall and drank out of a cup of clear crystal only true lovers could drink out of this cup for if false lips touched it it grew gray and dull and cloudy It is quite clear that they love each other, said the little page, as clear as crystal. (laughs) Okay, the page is my favorite by far. (laughs) He ain't getting paid, and he's good at puns, (laughs) and he's... And the king doubled his salary a second time. (laughs) 
and the king doubled his salary a second time. So good. What an honor, cried all the courtiers. <laughs> it's fucking rich people. After the banquet, there was to be a ball. Mm. The bride Here's and, the fun part. Yeah. The bride and bridegroom were to dance the rose dance together, and the king had promised to play the flute. He played very badly, but no one had ever dared to tell him so because he was the king. Oh, my God. Indeed, he only knew two airs and was never quite certain which one he was playing, but it made no matter for whatever he did, everybody cried out, Charming! Charming! Oh, God. I would have been so bad in this time period. I would have been like, The fuck was that? Off with their head. The last item on the program was a grand display of fireworks to be let off exactly at midnight. Baby, you're a firework. The little princess had never seen a firework in her life, so the king had given orders that the royal pyrotechnist should be in attendance on the day of her marriage. The royal pyrotechnist? That's an awesome position. I want that job. Yeah. What do you do? Oh, I set shit on fire for the king. (laughs) I'm the highest appointed fire starter in the nation. Cool. (laughs) What are fireworks like? She had asked the prince one morning as she was walking on the terrace. They are like the Aurora Borealis, said the king, who always answered questions that were addressed to other people. (laughs) Only much more natural. I prefer them to stars myself, as you always know when they are going to appear, and they are as delightful as my own flute playing. You must certainly see them. Oh, that is not a good review. If I was the princess, I'd be like, (laughs) I'm sick. (laughs) (laughs) So, at the end of the king's garden, a great stand had been set up, and as soon as the royal pyrotechnist had put everything in its proper place, the fireworks began to talk to each other. Like, boom, boom? No. Oh, because it's a fairy tale. (laughs) The world is certainly very beautiful, cried a little squib. Just look at those yellow tulips. Why, if they were real crackers, they could not be lovelier. I am very glad I have traveled. Travel improves the mind wonderfully and does away with all one's prejudices. We were just talking about that. We were saying if you're well-traveled and experienced other cultures, you are less likely to be a dick. a dick about other cultures yes what we were not doing was talking about how fireworks probably feel the same way well but that fireworks (laughs) can have feelings they can they also travel very quickly although not often very far (laughs) the king's garden is not the world you foolish squib said a big roman candle whoa roman candles are assholes the world is an enormous place and it would take you three days to see it thoroughly (laughs) okay i know the room okay so these personalities i now know who the roman candle is he's the know-it-all who doesn't know shit any place you love is the world to you exclaimed a pensive catherine wheel who had been attached to an old deal 
box in early life and prided herself on her broken heart. But love is not fashionable anymore. The poets have killed it. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, Debbie Downer. That's the Debbie Downer girl who shows up at the party and you're like, oh, great. She's here. They wrote so much about it that nobody believed them, and I am not surprised. True love suffers and is silent. I remember myself once. Uh, but it is no matter. Romance is a thing of the past. <laughs> Nonsense, <laughs> said the Roman candle. Romance never dies. It is like the moon and lives forever. The bride and groom, for instance, love each other very dearly. I heard all about them this morning from a brown paper cartridge who happened to be staying in the same drawer as myself and knew the latest court news. Okay, this is the original Toy Story. <laughs> yes. This is Toy Story if they were all if they were firecrackers. All firecrackers or fireworks of some sort. I, I, I just love all these people's personalities. People's. These fireworks personalities. I like that my performance is so, so good that you have mistaken them for people. No, I'm loving. I, I love it. Continue. But the Catherine wheel shook her head. Romance is dead. Romance is dead. Romance is dead. Dead? She murmured. She was one of those people who think that if you say the same thing over and over a great many times, it becomes true in the end. <laughs> So I can hear so much of like Oscar Wilde and it's so like, this is so Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Someone who knows his plays. Like I haven't read a lot of his. This is pick your conversation between Jack and Algernon. Yeah. yeah. It's so great. I love it. Continue. Suddenly a sharp dry cough was heard and they all looked round. It came from a tall, supercilious looking rocket who was tied to the end of a long stick. He always coughed before he made any observation so as to attract attention. <laughs> ahem, ahem, he said, and everybody listened except the poor Catherine Wheel, who was still shaking her head and murmuring, Romance is dead. Order, order, cried out a cracker. He was something of a politician. <laughs> The politician's a cracker? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> and had always taken a prominent part in the local elections, so he knew the proper parliamentary expressions to use. <laughs> Quite dead, whispered the Catherine Wheel as she went off to sleep. Yeah, she needs a nap. <laughs> takes take some Benadryl or uh, some uh, Xanax. Xanax. Just take a nap, sweetie. It'll this is be the amazing. most depressed firework I've ever heard of. Well, it's be so she's one of those ones that like spins in circles. So yeah. it's just like she's, she's really fucking dizzy. She's just dizzy and like never gets to go anywhere because she's constantly just like having the same thought over and over and over and over no, again. I don't want to have an emotional connection to pyrotechnics. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your next firework display, everybody. Oh, man. <laughs> this is going to be more damaging than the fir tree, isn't it? <laughs> The story's going to fuck me up. 
I hope so. That is my goal with all pick all stories I pick for you. God so. damn it. You do a good job of it too. The necklace really did a number on me. Which was like like everyone loved that one. It's like our best like our best episode yet. As soon as there was perfect silence, the rocket coughed a third time and began. He spoke with a very slow, distinct voice, as if he was dictating his memoirs and always looked over the shoulder of the person to whom he was talking. In fact, he had a most distinguished manner. How fortunate it is for the king's son, he remarked, that he is to be married on the very day on which I am to be let off. Really, if it had been arranged beforehand, it could not have turned out better for him. But princes are always lucky. This poor rocket. Dear me, said the little squib, I thought it was quite the other way around, and that we were to be let off in the prince's honor. Yes, little squib. It may be so with you, he answered. Indeed, I have no doubt that it is, but with me, it is different. <laughs> I am a very remarkable rocket and come of remarkable parents. Um, I believe we just had the title of the story. I am a very remarkable, remarkable rocket and come of remarkable parents. My mother was Ooh, we the- We get to hear about this rocket's parents. Yeah, this is this is fun facts about the rocket. Fun facts about this uh, firework rocket. All right. My mother was the most celebrated Catherine Wheel of her day and was renowned for her graceful dancing. Apparently, sexism was so embedded in Victorian England that even female rockets could only be Catherine, Catherine wheels. Catherine wheels. Could only be Catherine wheels. And apparently, you can have sex uh, interspecies because why would a Catherine wheel and like another rocket make a, or another kind of, like, I, that's weird. <laughs> My mother was the most celebrated Catherine Wheel of her day and was renowned for her graceful dancing. When she made her great public appearance, she spun round 19 times before she went out, and each time that she did so, she threw into the air seven pink stars. She was three feet and a half in diameter and made of the very best gunpowder. <laughs> my father... I can't wait. ...was a rocket, like <laughs> myself, of the French extraction. <laughs> French rocket. That, that's a dirty rocket. <laughs> so high that the people were afraid that he would never come down again. He did, though. For he was of a kindly disposition, and he made a most brilliant descent in a shower of golden rain. <laughs> 
which means his father was a golden shower. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> was a was a high flying golden shower. <laughs> that y'all i worry what will come or do up. if that's what you're into because you know, i don't judge uh, i will be googling it to uh come up with images for this episode so. you might want to turn on safe search before you do that <laughs> unless you're really hoping to fuck up your google algorithm i mean i did have to google syphilis a couple weeks ago so i'm pretty sure my google alder- algorithm is Yes, but if you if you Google for syphilis and golden shower within two weeks of each other, there's no coming back from that. I'm a podcaster. I have to do research. All the true crime podcasters out there understand my place. Hey, listener. What's the weirdest shit you've ever had to Google? For work. For work. What's the weirdest phrase you've ever had to Google for innocent reasons? Yeah, and known as you typed it in that this was going to not be great, but you had to do it for work. Yeah, I'm thinking of, I know. like research. I I am friends with a couple of writers who have had to Google things like how to build a bomb. How to get away with murder. Will a pig really eat a human body in... However, like that sort of thing. Um, so, listener, please reach out and let us know either on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or our website, campfireclassicspodcast.com, yeah. or email us at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com and let us know what is the weirdest thing you have ever had to Google. Ding, ding. This has been your advertisement for this <clears throat> podcast. Thank you. Now, returning to the story. My father was a golden shower. (laughs) The newspapers wrote about his performance in very flattering terms. Oh, I bet they did. Indeed, the Court Gazette called him a triumph of pyrotechnic art. A pyrotechnic, pyrotechnic, you mean, said a bangle light. I know it is pyrotechnic, for I saw it written on my own canister. Well, I said pyrotechnic, answered the rocket in a severe tone of voice, and the bangle light felt so crushed that he began at once to bully the little squibs in order to show that he was still a person of some importance. Oh no! Oh no! It's like the the chain of screaming in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yep. Like, like the one guy was corrected and then he got yelled at and so then he, to feel better about himself, goes <laughs> yells at other people. <laughs> yep. And so it begins. Something tells me it's all going to erupt sooner or later. Oh, you went with that one. I was going to go with something Explode. tells me it's all going to blow up in his face. Hey, but there's so many good ones. I was saying, continued the rocket, I was saying, what was I saying? 
You were talking about yourself, replied the Roman candle. <laughs> of course, I knew I was discussing some interesting subject when I was so rudely interrupted. Oh I hate rudeness and bad manners of every kind, for I am extremely sensitive. <laughs> No one in the whole world is so sensitive as I am. I am quite sure of that. Oh my god. I know I know this person. I'm not gonna name them in case. <laughs> I just I mean I think we all know this person. And it's like you wonder often why they're friends. <laughs> You're like why do I keep this person around? And Kids, like, I don't know why we were friends with Barney. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but they entertain us, and they're always, you know, you know, when there's a lag in the conversation, they're there, and, you know, they do their thing, and you just kind of accept that that's who they are. <laughs> what is a sensitive person? Person, said the cracker to the Roman candle. <laughs> a person who, because he has corns himself, always treads on other people's toes, answered the Roman candle in a low whisper. Wow. And the cracker nearly exploded with laughter. <laughs> hey, hey! Oscar Wilde's doing the puns too! Yes. <laughs> of course he is. And he even phrases them better than we did. Well, I mean, he did get paid to do this. Yeah. We're just making this shit up. Pray, what are you laughing at? Inquired the rocket. I am not laughing. <laughs> I am laughing because I am happy, replied the cracker. <laughs> that is a very selfish reason, said the rocket angrily. What right have you to be happy? You should be thinking about others. In fact, you should be thinking about me. Oh my God. I am always thinking about myself and I expect everybody else to do the same. That is what is called sympathy. It is a beautiful virtue, and I possess it in high degree. Suppose, for instance, anything happened to me tonight. What a misfortune that would be for everyone. The prince and princess would never be happy again. Their whole married life would be spoiled. And as for the king, I know he would not get over it. Really, when I begin to reflect on the importance of my position, I am almost moved to tears. If you want to give pleasure to others, cried the Roman candle, you had better keep yourself dry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! I mean, I guess that I guess that's good advice because if you get too excited too fast 
then you just pop off and explode, you know, as they say. So as you gotta you gotta keep yourself dry while you give pleasure to others, and then it's time for your pleasure. So then you can get yourself wet and showered and golden and all that stuff. If you want to give pleasure to others, cried the Roman candle, you had better keep yourself dry. <laughs> Certainly, exclaimed the bangle light, who was now in better spirits. That is only common sense. Common sense, indeed, said the rocket indignantly. You forget that I am very uncommon. And very remarkable. Why, anybody can have common sense, provided that they have no imagination. But I have imagination, for I never think of things as they really are. I always think of them as being quite different. As for keeping myself dry... There is evidently no one here who can at all appreciate an emotional nature. Fortunately for myself, I don't care. <laughs> Frankly, what's the, what's the quote? Frankly, my dear, I don't, I don't give, give a, a damn. damn. The only thing that sustains one through life is the consciousness of the immense inferiority of everybody else. Oh my god! And this is a feeling that I have always cultivated. <laughs> but none of you have any hearts. Here you are laughing and making merry, just as if the prince and princess had not just been married. <laughs> well, really, exclaimed a small fire balloon. Why not? It is a most joyful occasion. And when I soar up into the air, I intend to tell the stars all about it. You will see them twinkle when I talk to them about the pretty bride. I love the fire balloon. <laughs> He's like, I'm just happy and I'm going to live my life and be fabulous in my moment, you little bitch. <laughs> Baby, I'm a Ah, what a trivial view of life, said the rocket, but it is only what I expected. There is nothing in you. You are hollow and empty. <gasps> Why, perhaps the prince and princess may go to live in a country where there is a deep river, and perhaps they may have... One only son, a little fair-haired boy with violet eyes like the prince himself, and perhaps someday he may go out to walk with his nurse, and perhaps the nurse may go to sleep under a great elder tree, and perhaps the little boy may fall into the deep river and be drowned. <laughs> what a terrible misfortune. Poor people to lose their only son. It is really too dreadful. I shall never get over it. But, 
they have not lost their only son, said the Roman candle. <laughs> no misfortune has happened to them at all. Yeah, what fantasy are you living in, bitch? I never said that they had, replied the rocket. I said that they might. If they had lost their only son, there would be no use in saying anything more about it. I hate people who cry over spilt milk. But when I think that they might lose their only son, I certainly am very much affected. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! You certainly are, cried the bangle light. In fact, you are the most affected person I ever met. Oh damn! The bangle light is here to play. He's like, he's like, sit down. <laughs> you are the rudest person I ever met, said the rocket, and you cannot understand my friendship for the prince. Why, you don't even know him, growled the Roman candle. <laughs> I never said I knew him, answered the rocket. I dare say that if I knew him, I should not be his friend at all. It is a very dangerous thing to know one's friends. You had really better keep yourself dry, said the fire balloon. That is the important thing. Very important for you, I have no doubt, answered the rocket. But I shall weep if I choose. And he actually burst into real tears, which flowed down his stick like raindrops <laughs> and nearly drowned two little beetles who were just thinking of setting up house together and were looking for a nice dry spot to live in. I'm just imagining raindrops falling down his stick. <laughs> Those ain't raindrops. No. Well, he did get very excited and then very sad. And his father was a golden shower. His father was a golden shower. <laughs> he must have a truly romantic nature, said the Catherine Wheel, for he weeps when there is nothing at all to weep about. <laughs> and she heaved a deep sigh and thought about the deal box. But the Roman candle and the bangle light were quite indignant and kept saying, Humbug! Humbug! at the top of their <laughs> voices. They were extremely practical, and whenever they objected to anything, they called it humbug. Then the moon rose like a wonderful silver shield, and the stars began to shine, and a sound of music came from the palace. The prince and princess... <laughs> the sound of music? Yes, the sound of music. Um, an early production. This was uh, before they got um, Julie Andrews the in the park. The hills are alive with the sound of music. The prince and princess were leading the dance, one, two, three, and. Does it say one, two, three, and? It sure doesn't. Okay. I was <laughs> like, so we're doing King and I now. Okay. 
they danced so beautifully that the tall white lilies peeped in at the windows and watched them, and the great Rude. red poppies nodded their heads and beat time. Because they're drugged because yep. they're poppies. Oh, that's what's going on in this story. Everyone's on heroin. Everyone. <laughs> now I get it. Then 10 o'clock struck, and then 11, and then... Twelve, And then Cinderella had to leave the ball. (laughs) (laughs) And if she'd been there all night, someone was having a really good time. (laughs) Was a really strong rocket, for sure. (laughs) You know he exploded. (laughs) Hey! And at the last stroke of midnight... (laughs) Everyone came out on the terrace. (laughs) And the king sent for the royal pyrotechnist. It's it's their time to shine. Let the fireworks begin, said the king. And the royal pyrotechnist made a low bow and marched down to the end of the garden. He had six attendants with him, each of whom carried a lighted torch at the end of a long pole. It was certainly a magnificent display. Whiz, whiz went the Catherine wheel as she spun round and round. Boom, boom went the Roman candle. Then the squibs danced all over the palace and the bangle lights made everything look scarlet. The squibs are those little ones that go... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those were my... They're my favorite because they don't make scary noises. They're just kind of silly. Goodbye, cried the fire balloon as he soared away, dropping tiny blue sparks. Bang, bang, answered the crackers, who were enjoying themselves immensely. (laughs) Everyone was a great success, except the remarkable rocket. He was so damp with crying that he could not go off at all. He couldn't get it up. He got wet too early. Oh, no. <laughs> Gotta stay and dry. Couldn't, and couldn't perform in the moment. Oh, no. The best thing in him was the gunpowder, and that was so wet with tears that it was no use. All his poor relations, to whom he would never speak except with a sneer, shot up into the sky like wonderful golden flowers with blossoms of fire. Huzzah! Huzzah! cried the court, and the little princess laughed with pleasure. I suppose they are reserving me for some grand occasion, said the rocket. No doubt that is what it means. And he looked more supercilious than ever. The next day, the workmen came to put everything tidy. This is evidently a deputation, said the rocket. I will receive them with becoming dignity. So he put his nose in the air and began to frown severely as if he were thinking about some very important subject. 
but they took no notice of him at all till they were just going away. Then one of them caught sight of him. Hello, he cried. What a bad rocket. And he threw him over the wall into the ditch. Bad rocket. Bad rocket, he said as he whirled through the air. Impossible. Grand rocket, that is what the man said. Bad and grand sound very much the same. Indeed, they often are the same. And he fell into the mud. It is not comfortable here, he remarked. (laughs) But no doubt... It is some fashionable watering place, and they have sent me away to recruit my health. My nerves are certainly very much shattered, and I require rest. Then a little frog with bright jeweled eyes and a green mottled coat swam up to him. Hi, frog. A new arrival, I see, said the frog. Well... After all, there is nothing like mud. Give me rainy weather and a ditch, and I am quite happy. The frog likes some golden showers. It's great. Yeah. Do you think it will be a wet afternoon? I am sure. I hope so. But the sky is quite blue and cloudless. What a pity. Ahem. Ahem, said the rocket. And he began to cough. What a delightful voice you have, said the frog. Really, it is quite like a croak. And croaking is, of course, the most musical sound in the world. You will hear our glee club this evening. (laughs) We sit in the old duck pond close by the farmer's house. And as soon as the moon rises, we begin. It is so entrancing that everybody lies awake to listen to us. In fact, it was only yesterday that I heard the farmer's wife say to her mother, that she could not get a wink of sleep at night on account of us. It is most gratifying to find oneself so popular. Ahem, ahem, said the rocket angrily. He was very much annoyed that he could not get a word in. A delightful voice, certainly, continued the frog. I hope you will come over to the duck pond. I am off to look for my daughters. I have six beautiful daughters, and I am so afraid the pike may meet them. He is a perfect monster and would have no hesitation in breakfasting off them. Well, goodbye. I have enjoyed our conversation very much, I assure you. (laughs) Conversation, indeed, said the rocket. You have talked the whole time yourself. That is not a conversation. Somebody must listen, answered the frog, and I like to do all the talking myself. It saves time and prevents arguments. But I like arguments said the rocket. I hope not, said the frog complacently. Arguments are extremely vulgar for everybody in good society holds exactly the same opinions. Goodbye a second time. I see my daughters in the distance. And the little frog swam away. Bye. (laughs) He's like, I ain't got time for you today. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have real problems. See ya. You are a very irritating person, <laughs> said the rocket, and very ill-bred. I hate people who talk about themselves as you do when one wants to talk about oneself as I do. It is what I call selfishness, and selfishness is a most detestable thing, especially to anyone of my temperament, for I am well known for my sympathetic nature. In fact, you should take example by me. You could not possibly have a better model now that you have the chance you had better avail yourself of it for i am going back to court almost immediately i am a great favorite at court in fact the prince and princess were married yesterday in my honor of course you know nothing of these matters for you are a provincial There is no good talking to him, said a dragonfly who was sitting on top of a large brown bulrush. No good at all, for he has gone away. Well, that is his loss, not mine, Mm -hmm. answered the rocket. I am not going to stop talking to him merely because he pays no attention. (laughs) I like hearing myself talk. Oh, the hypocrisy of the rocket. (laughs) It is one of my greatest pleasures. I often have long conversations all by myself, and I am so clever that sometimes I don't understand a single word of what I am saying. (laughs) (laughs) Then you should certainly lecture oil philosophy, said the dragonfly. And he spread a pair of lovely gauze wings and soared away into the sky. How very silly of him not to stay here, said the rocket. I am sure that he has not often got such a chance of improving his mind. However, I don't care a bit. Genius like mine is sure to be appreciated someday. And he sank down a little deeper into the mud. Uh Uh-oh. After some time, a large white duck swam up to him. Quack, quack. She had yellow legs and webbed feet and was considered a great beauty on account of her waddle. (laughs) Quack, quack, quack. She said. (laughs) Quack, What a curious shape you are. May I ask, were you born like this? Or is it the result of... An accident. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It is quite evident that you have always lived in the country, answered the rocket. Otherwise, you would know who I am. However, I excuse your ignorance. It would be unfair to expect other people to be as remarkable as oneself. You will no doubt be surprised to hear that I can fly (laughs) up into the sky and come down in a shower of golden rain. I take after my father, you see. I am a perfect specimen of golden showers. 
I don't think much of that, said the duck, as I cannot see what use it is to anyone. <laughs> now, if you could plow the fields like an ox or draw a cart like a horse or look after sheep like a collie dog, that would be something. <laughs> My good creature, cried the rocket in a very haughty tone of voice, I see that you belong to the lower orders. A person of my position is never useful. We have certain accomplishments, and that is more than sufficient. I don't work. (laughs) I just am fabulous. I have no sympathy myself with industry of any kind, least of all with such industries as you seem to recommend. Indeed, I have always been of the opinion that hard work is simply the refuge of people who have nothing whatever to do. (laughs) Well, well, said the duck, who was of a very peaceable disposition and never quarreled with anyone. Everybody has different tastes. I hope at any rate that you are going to take up your residence here. Oh, dear, no, cried the rocket. I am merely a visitor, a distinguished visitor. The fact is that I find this place rather tedious. There is neither society here nor solitude. In fact, it is essentially suburban. I shall probably go back to court, for I know that I am destined to make a sensation in the world. This is like when, like, New Yorkers have to go to, like, anywhere else. Anywhere else? else. (laughs) Like, people, like, they talk about in Sex and the City, it's like the, like, uh, like, toxic New Yorker that believes New York City is literally the only place on the planet, and everywhere else is like, mmm, gross. Yeah. I had thoughts of entering public life once myself, answered the duck. There are so many things that need reforming. Indeed, I took the chair at a meeting some time ago when we passed resolutions condemning everything that we did not like. However, they did not seem to have much effect. Now I go for domesticity and look after my family. Oh. It's poor duck. I am made for public life, said the rocket. And so are all my relations, even the humblest of them. Whenever we appear, we excite great attention. I have not actually appeared myself. But when I do so, it will be a magnificent sight. As for domesticity... It ages one rapidly, and it distracts one's mind from higher things. Ah, the higher (laughs) things of life, how fine they are, said the duck. And that reminds me how hungry I feel. And she swam away downstream, (laughs) saying, quack, quack, quack. (laughs) Bitch is like, I'm out. Uh, You just uh, insulted my entire way of life. I'm hungry. It's like I have to go wash the cat. I'm sorry. I can't come out tonight. I have to trim my fingernails. Yes. I have to wash my kneecaps. 
<laughs> I'm gonna alphabetize my spice. I'm going to organize my VHSs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep, that's the one. That's how they know you're lying. No one has enough VHSs anymore to alphabetize. <laughs> if you do, I have questions. <laughs> if you do, they're all home videos. Yeah. <laughs> so the duck leaves. Come back, come back, screamed the rocket. I have a great deal to say to you. But the duck paid no attention to him. Bye, I have life. Bye. <laughs> I am glad that she has gone, he said to himself. She has a decidedly middle class mind. Oh, and he sank a little deeper still into the mud and began to think about the loneliness of genius when suddenly two little boys in white smocks came running down the bank with a kettle and some sticks. This must be the deputation, said the rocket, <laughs> and he tried to look very dignified. Hello, cried one of the boys. <laughs> this old stick i wonder how it came here he picked the rocket out of the ditch old stick said the rocket impossible gold stick that is what he said gold stick is very complimentary in fact he mistakes me for one of the court dignitaries let us put it into the fire said the other boy it will help boil the kettle. So they piled the sticks together and put the rocket on top and lit the fire. One of these kids is going to die. <laughs> this is magnificent, cried the rocket. They are going to let me off in broad daylight so that everyone can see me. Uh... We will go to sleep now, they said. And when we wake up... The kettle will be boiled. And they lay down in the grass and shut their eyes. Who are these fucking kids taking naps in the middle of the day? While they boil water <laughs> in a kettle. While they boil water by a river. <laughs> the rocket was very damp, so he took a long time to burn. At last, however, the fire caught him. Now I am going off, he cried. <laughs> And he made himself very stiff and straight. <laughs> I know I shall go much higher than the stars. That's how you know you're about to go off. higher than the moon, much higher than the sun. In fact, I shall go so high that fizz, 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 he went straight up into the air. Delightful, he cried. <laughs> I shall go on like this forever. What a success I am. But nobody saw him. Then he began to feel a curious tingling sensation all over him. Now I am going to explode, he cried. <laughs> I shall set the whole world on fire and make such a noise that nobody will talk about anything else for a whole year. And he certainly did explode. Bang, bang, bang went the gunpowder. There was no doubt about it. But nobody heard him. 
not even the two little boys, for they were sound asleep. Then all that was left of him was the stick, and this fell down on the back of a goose who was taking a walk by the side of the ditch. Oh, gooses are... Good heavens, cried the goose. It is going to rain sticks! (laughs) And she rushed into the water. I knew I should create a great sensation, gasped the rocket. And he went out. The end. Oh, damn! That went deep? That, that, <laughs> that went, that went a place. Um, also, that was like the antithesis to the fir tree. Yeah. The fir tree was like the sweetest, like most loving thing yeah. ever and got thrown out. This twat bag was like so full of himself and was just like, nobody else matters. And then he turned out to not matter. Like, because- But in the end, he didn't even know that he didn't matter. He thought he went out in a blaze of glory. There were many times during that story, I'm like, God, I wish I had this thing's confidence. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I wish for one day I could go through a day and think I was in any way that important. If you try talking in this This voice. voice. Maybe that's my new actor voice. All the time. (laughs) I will say, you just feel more important. It's like a soprano. Like a soprano. Lift yourself, palette. <laughs> Whew. Uh, uh, fairy tales by fucking Oscar Wilde, man. Yeah, Who knew? It. The most sarcastic fairy tale I've ever read. That was the most sarcastic, but also like had like the moral at the end. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Like it had the fairy tale moral, but it had like the. It was seriously like. Lady Grantham in Downton Abbey or Lady, Lady Bracknell. Bracknell. Like, I mean, it was these, it, and all these women or these people, men too, of like Lord Queensbury in his real life. Like, these like hoity toity motherfuckers that are like, yeah, that was fun. I, <laughs> I think our, um, I think our secret code word this week is golden shower. Oh, absolutely. Yeah? It's golden showers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Secret code is golden showers, like without a doubt. <laughs> or uh golden showers or um uh the the the, the thing you've had to Google. <laughs> like Oh yeah. Which we well, asked those very are, early. Those those are two separate which things is, though. A reminder. I'm just, I'm just a, curious, what did you have to Google that made that fucked up your Google algorithm? Yeah, that made you go, I wish um, I had never Googled and that. The, and but. the secret the secret passcode this week is golden shower. Um, so those are, those are what you have to send to us. Yeah. Please send them our way on Twitter. However you found us, uh, we do respond Yeah, and like the people that have been sending us, you know, (laughs) Um, we respond. We love, we love interaction with you guys. So respond. Uh, but please do that after you have shared this episode with five friends. Yes. Although you can do it before, I suppose. It's just the sharing that's important. Um, like sharing and subscribe. Is caring. Sharing is caring. That's what they say in Golden Showers. <laughs> so I, I mean, hear. I guess it is. <laughs> so long as everyone's happy. Uh, fuck it. You know, um, everyone's got their own deal and you live your life. Woo woo. <laughs> uh, 
like, subscribe, leave a review. Yeah. Um, tune in next week. We that should, was our 50th episode. That was our 50th episode. Hey, um, thanks for hanging in there for 50 episodes. Oh my God, we've been like, that's crazy. Yeah. Here we are. It's wild. <laughs> so that's so that's 50 episodes down. Um, thank you for joining us. And I hope that you will join us for the next 50 because it's only going to get better from here. We love doing this. So we'll see you there. So until episode 51, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Maybe you're a fire Come on, show